You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View, and today's show is coming to you on Monday as the New York Giants have their first mandated day off of 2019 training camp. And here to help me break down what we've seen over the first four days of camp is Patricia Train, a good friend of Big Blue View, contributor here at Big Blue View, host of Locked On Giants. And uh, Patty, uh, let me start with this. How come we don't get mandated days off? I don't know, Ed, but that's not fair. I, I, I want to know who we have to talk to about that because I'm telling you, I've been going nonstop as you have, as as everybody has, and just so much to do and just not enough time in the day to get it all done. And it's killing my golf game. Oh, you poor baby. <laughs> you poor baby. You you hear that, that background noise, Ed? That's the world's smallest violin playing. Oh, thanks, Patty. My golf game <laughs> my golf game stinks these days anyway, so I'm I'm not sure it's hurting a whole lot. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about the uh, let's talk about the New York Giants and the, the big news of training camp so far, where we have to start is with the uh the Pending four-game suspension of you know of of wide receiver Golden Tate and Patty, I'm just I'm just shaking my head. This is a guy in his tenth year in the NFL, and I'm sorry he has to know better than this. Well, yeah, you would think so, but um, you know, look, I I kind of understand what he was trying to get at. I don't think the the league is going to you know forgive him on this uh because you know what's that old saying rules is rules or rules are rules or whatever um you know and 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 there's no you know there's really no excuse for that i mean before you put anything in your mouth if you're an nfl player before you put anything in your mouth it is your responsibility to check and make sure that it's not going to come back to bite you down the line. You know, it's kind of like, you know, I have, um, you know, or I have a food allergy and I have to ask, you know, if I go out to eat, I have to ask the restaurant, okay, 
how is this prepared? Does it have this ingredient in it? Is it, you know, was is the meal being prepared anywhere near that food allergy? Because I mean, if I if I have an allergic reaction, that's on me for not doing my due diligence to find out if you know I, I was exposing myself to something that could potentially do me harm. So I think even though Tate's intentions were honorable and pure. You still have to have a level of, you know, you have to ask questions, especially when it comes to medication and, and supplements and whatever else, you know, you might put in your mouth. The NFL rule on this is clear as day, Patty. You you have to know exactly what's in anything that you take, and it's a zero-tolerance policy. And I just can't, I know he's appealed and he says he has a good case and, and, and all of that. I think he's going to get four games and that's that. I think you're right, Ed, and and I'll tell you what, that's going to be a big loss for the Giants. This is a guy they were really counting on uh, to to play a big part in the passing offense, and as it is right now, you know, Sterling Shepard will be back. Hopefully he won't be too rusty when he comes back from that that broken thumb that he has. Corey Coleman is gone. I mean, the, the receivers have been dropping like flies. Darius Slayton is falling behind because of that hamstring. I mean, that's positions quickly becoming a concern without a doubt patty without a doubt and i'm shaking my head at what's going on i mean you you might see this number of injuries over the course of training camp but but we saw this mess happen in basically two days i know it's wild isn't it yeah it's insane i mean we've seen this over the years what is it about injuries where it's like pick a position. Well, this year we're going to decimate wide receivers. Next year we're going to decimate safety. And next year we're going to we're, we're going to decimate the linebacker spot. What is it about injuries at one position, you know, at, at one time? I really don't know, Ed. I mean, I wish I had an answer for you on that. It just seems like, you know, this team is is cursed almost. It's like you know, look, the players talk about recovery. They talk about, you know, taking care of their bodies and everything like that. But a lot of these injuries, if you if you look at them, I mean, the broken thumb, that's just, you know, that can happen because the sport is just violence. And, you know, thankfully that wasn't a major injury. But um, the torn ACL, um, you know, you can, you can mess up your knee just by stepping the wrong way. And you don't even have to be on a football field I I know my husband years ago you know he turned the wrong way and boom he tore his meniscus and needed surgery so the knee is just a very tricky joint um you know these other injuries the, the hamstring you know if you're too tight or you're not stretching enough um that's I guess that's to a degree is on you but uh, this is wild it, it really is and and you know Ty Tolbert the receivers coach uh, spoke yesterday about uh, the opportunities that are being created for these guys. But look, you know, that's a positive spin. But you also have to remember there's a reason why a lot of these guys are second and third, you know, working with the second and third team offenses and not the first team. So you kind of have to take it all with a grain of salt and just hope that they improve and take advantage of these opportunities that they're being given. Sure you do, Patty. The thing that's killing me when we look at all of the, what you would call the minor injuries, the one that's killing me has got to be Darius Slayton at this point because this would be a kid who, he's a kid who who showed very well in the spring, a kid who there was a lot of optimism about. And we both know that, that the more reps you miss, 
in training camp, the more reps you miss now, the longer it's going to be before you can really become a contributor in the regular season. And and the Gi- Slayton could use these reps and the Giants could really use him. Absolutely. I mean, Slayton, you know, again, I'll go back to the Corey Coleman injury for a moment. Corey Coleman was one of two receivers who, you know, you you could say can take the top off of the defense. Slayton would have been the other guy. And, you know, he tweaked that hamstring. I think it was on the first first day of workouts, uh, going back to even before the, you know, the whole team reported. I think he tweaked it um, during the when the rookies were in. But uh, but yeah. And, you know, you watch him walk around Ed, and, and you know, there were there were. There were times when he was really walking gingerly and, and, you know, they say he's dated. Well, I don't think they've said he's day to day, but, you know, uh, Slayton said that he's getting better. He's making progress. Progress to me is when you're not walking around gingerly and you start doing some light jogging. And I don't think we've seen that yet from him. And, and, And as far as I'm concerned, I think he's, you know, he's more week to week than day to day. I would have to agree with that, Patty. He walked right past me yesterday when the uh, when the Giants players were leaving their walkthrough and heading back into the facility. He happened to be talking to Daniel Jones at the time, and I was just watching the two of them walk by, and I did not like the looks of the way he was walking because it certainly didn't look like a confident, comfortable walk to me at all. Yeah, it it didn't look comfortable at all. I I also took you know kept an eye on him when he was coming out, and he looked like he was he was hurting. And you know, again, when you you'll know he's making progress when he starts to do some light jogging on the side. We have not seen that. Now I don't know. Maybe he's doing that inside, away from from our closed eyes. I have no idea. But um, you know, I I'm concerned about that and. Every game he, every rep he misses, every uh, practice he misses, every game he misses, that's valuable playing time that he really, really needs to, you know, be on the field for. And you just can't rush those injuries back, though. I mean, hamstrings are tricky. If you rush them back too soon, you can do more damage. So I think the Giants are going to try and be as cautious as they can and then try to get him caught up as quickly as possible. Patty, let's turn to what might be a slightly more pleasant topic away from from the the wide receiver mess. Let's talk a little bit about Daniel Jones. And both Dave Gettleman and Pat Shermer have said that although we all try to and they get questions about him every single day, he said you can't take the kid's temperature every single day. Well, you know, we've watched four practices. It's a day off, so let's try to take the kid's temperature a little bit. Through through. Oh, four- Ed. <laughs> uh, I was hoping. You know. You know what? I ha- a quick story before you ask your question. Yesterday, I was kind of keeping track. I'm and I'm thinking, okay, we're getting through the Pat Shermer qu- press conference. No questions about Daniel Jones, and then boom, there were like four in a row, and I said, oh, we almost made it. Well, you know, Patty, the the last time I had you on, I don't think we talked about quarterback at all. So, you know, so this all time, right. so I'll, this I'll time, all right, just it's a day off, Patty. We, you know, we, we have to do it. All I was going all to right. say in regard to Jones is let's not analyze and overanalyze every single throw and every incompletion in all of that. My general comment about Daniel Jones after four days 
is he's had a good four days. He looks like an NFL quarterback. He looks comfortable. He looks like he's learning. It looks like football when he's back there and the reps that he gets. He doesn't look overwhelmed. He doesn't sound overwhelmed. Just a generic comment. I think it's been a good start for him, and, and I just wanted to know if you if you agree or disagree. Oh, I definitely agree, Ed. I mean, look, the kid is going to make some mistakes, and he didn't have the best practice yesterday, that being Sunday. Um, but overall, he's progressing, and he's progressing as you would expect a rookie to. Um, I would be more concerned if he were making the same mistakes over and over. And, you know, people – this is kind of funny – Ed, a lot of uh, writers chart the quarterback completions and incompletions, but really nobody is charting what happened on the plays. I mean, the coaches are doing that, but the writers, I guess, because the plays are happening so fast and we don't have benefit of the film, the practice film, um, they can't go back and do that. But, you know, a, a perfect example, and Pat Shermer spoke about this, when Benny Fowler had that drop pass, that counts as an incompletion against Jones, but the kid did everything right from the read to the throw to everything. It was just, a, you know, the receiver made the mistake and didn't come up with the play, but unfortunately the kid gets, you know, gets charged with the the uh, incompletion. So I think you and I talked about that. I wish that was a stat that the league would consider changing or at least modifying. Sure, Patty. And, you know, we do. We report the raw numbers and, and all of that because it, it's what we have and it's what we can do. But the raw number, 7 for 13, 6 for 8, whatever, it doesn't tell you the real story. You have to be able to see the play. Overall, I really think it's more important to to get an overall impression and and for me right now it it's a good one so far of Jones and and I think we should leave it there instead of try to uh overanalyze every single play even in 11 on 11s because you got to remember these guys are wearing red shirts and they can stand there as long as they want and nobody can hit them. Yeah, agree, agree. And and you know, look Ed, the real story is going to come in the games because that's when these quarterbacks can get hit. All right. Right now, they really can't get hit, even though the pads are on. There's a there's a level of protection. So I want to see game scenarios. You know, that's when the, the tempo is really going to be amped up a lot. That's when the you know, that that's as close to real football as you're going to get is in those games. And that's where we're going to be able to tell whether or not Daniel Jones is just simply a good practice quarterback or he's the real deal. All right, Patty, let's, let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more in general terms about what we've seen from both the offense and the defense to this point. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, Giants fans, Ed Valentine back here with Patricia Trena on the Valentine's Views podcast. 
And on a day off for your New York Giants, we are talking about what we've seen through the first four practices of training camp. Patty, let's talk a little bit. We've talked about the wide receivers and Golden Tate and and Daniel Jones. Let's just sort of wrap up the offensive side of the ball. Really, the the thing everybody focuses on that we really haven't talked about is the offensive line. I think the good news is that Nate Solder and, and Mike Remmers, you know, who missed time in the spring with surgeries, have both you know worked pretty extensively through the first four days. Both look healthy at this point, so. I think the offensive line's still a work in progress. First day in pads was Saturday, and I thought that the run blocking was was pretty poor on Saturday. But I'm not going to panic or flip out about that because it was the first time. I mean, any anything in general for you that that concerns you at this point about the offensive line or that sticks out, whether it be a player or or anything uh, anything at all. Well, first off, Ed, I agree with you about the run blocking. I thought the run blocking left something to be desired. Now, Pat Shermer said, well, you know, it's the first day in pads. But, hey, it was also the first day in pads, and the pass blocking was, you know, pretty decent, I thought. But to answer your question, what I am still concerned about is the backup depth at tackle. None of the three guys, or four guys, I should say, Mahalik, Wheeler, uh, Big George, and Adams, none of them really popped out at me and made me say, hmm, okay, maybe the Giants have something there. In fact, I thought that group kind of regressed a little bit, you know, from what I remember in the springtime, even with the pads on here. So I'm a little concerned about that, uh, the backup that, because look, I've said it before, while I am hoping and optimistic that Mike Rimmers can make it through 16 games, um, backs are tricky and and you just never know. And uh, same thing with Solder. Solder, you know, he had the ankle surgery. He's also had some other injuries that, you know, he, he, he dealt with, I think, in the past. You know, he's and he's not getting any younger. You know, he's he's a good player, but you know, the best ability is availability. And I'm just concerned that if something happens where one of those guys gets injured and has to miss time, I'm not very comfortable with the depth that they have right now at backup tackle based on what I have seen through the first week of camp. Neither am I, Patty. I've said it before. I think that uh, I think that that the backup swing tackle on this team probably isn't on this team yet. I think he's probably on someone else's roster or to to uh to put it another way, I, I kind of hope he's on someone else's roster at this point. Yeah, that definitely. I mean, you know, I I look, I always go back to uh Sean Locklear as as the gold standard because he was a guy they picked off the scrap heat and he just proved to be a really really good swing tackle. And since then, I want, I can't think of anybody that, that's come close to that. And, you know, maybe I need to lower my expectations a little bit. But at this point, I would just accept a guy who, you know, I, I could say, okay, I, I feel okay with this guy playing a game or two. Agreed, Patty. Agreed. Let's, uh, let's turn our attention to the defense for a little bit here. And we know that entering the season – there are really, or at least entering training camp, there are really more questions about the defense with all the all the new pieces, all the young players, all the unproven guys that the Giants have on defense. 
and it's way too early to to really figure out a trend. I think we've seen some good things so far. I think the best news, the absolute best thing we've seen in training camp through the first four days is the play of Lorenzo Carter, a guy that Giants desperately need to take a step forward. Oh, no question. No question, Ed. Lorenzo Carter, if you had to pick a star on this defensive unit through the first week of camp, he would be it. This is a kid who bulked up in the offseason. He's much more comfortable with what he's doing. He understands angles and different, you know, uh, hand punch and, and different techniques to, to ward off blockers. He understands all that a lot better than he did last year. And it's showing on the field. And, you know, he's getting his opportunities and he's making the most of it. He's getting himself into positions uh, to where he can make the plays. Uh, and just, I've seen very little get past him in the run game. And I have, you know, after a while, I think it was on Saturday, I lost count of how many times he was coming off the edge and getting pressure into the backfield. Patty, that's just the best news that the Giants defense could get at this point is because for me, Lorenzo Carter is the guy who can take a real step forward and become, you know, sort of the big time impact front seven player that the Giants need. Obviously he has to prove it. You know, nothing that happens here in in the first few days of training camp definitely means he's going to have a good season. But it's it's a positive sign and it's kind of something to hang your hat on and be hopeful about this early. Absolutely. Look, the pass rush last year, I think we can both agree that the pass rush lacked a little firepower last year. Um, you know, and, and I'm not just talking the number of sacks. I'm talking pressures. I'm talking disruptions. I call them disruptions, uh, you know, and I count pressures, sacks, uh, hits and hurries. So I call them, you know, like I said, quarterback disruptions. But they lack that. I mean, they weren't up there. Um, you know, they could have used a lot more. And, and Pat Shermer was asked about that. And he says, yeah, we definitely could have had a lot more. Or, or, you know, I'd like to see more. And I think, you know, with the guys they have here, you know, Carter, uh, if Golden is, is healthy and so far he's looked, you know, healthy and showing no effects of, of the knee injury he had two years ago, even X-Man uh, has looked, you know, pretty polished. You know, he, he brings an incredible tool set to the table considering he comes from a, uh, a a smaller program. So if you think back to the successful giant teams of, of this century, what have they've all had? They've all had the, at least three guys who can rush the passer and generate those disruptions. And, and the Giants have a chance. If they stay healthy, they have a chance to finally have that this year. Yes, they do, Patty. And I wanted to get to the secondary a little bit here. But one of the things that we know about James Betcher and his history in Arizona was that he loves to scheme the blitz. He loves to bring corners. He loves to bring safeties. But in my view, as much as nice as that is to be able to scheme that pressure, if you can get that pressure from your front four, your front five, from your front three and your edge guys... You have a young, inexperienced, unproven secondary. And if you can just allow them to sit back and do their jobs without having to, to 
to blitz off the corner and, and put them in those kinds of, of disadvantages at times, that's going to be better for the Giants, uh, for, for the development of those young kids, I think. Absolutely. And and here's the other thing, and, and Ed, I don't think anybody has mentioned this, but I'll, I'll throw it out there now. One of the things that Pat Shermer is doing in this camp is he's brought in the officials early. I don't remember them being in this early last year. I think that was because they were kind of, you know, trying to focus on teaching the offense, teaching the defense. And those officials, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been kind of watching this. They've kind of been working with Shermer, with, with um, you know, the defensive backs coach. They've been trying to explain to them, you know, what's push off, what's pass interference, you know, because there were a lot of flags in the first week of practice on those young guys. And you can't have that in games, obviously, because pass interference, you know, you're, you're, you're giving the, the offense a huge advantage. So I was really happy to see that they're taking that precaution now to learn that so that you know they can teach it to the players and get that corrected now before it happens in the game that's a really good point patty the the officials have been there every single day one thing that i wanted to talk about with this secondary we know how young it is we know how many guys they have who who haven't played any regular season snaps for me through the first four days of camp we've seen we've seen players get beat we've seen one-on-one matchups get lost we've seen we saw a play I think it's the Benny Fowler drop that you mentioned on a pass from Daniel Jones that was a beautifully thrown deep ball by Jones and Benny Fowler ran by Michael Thomas what we've you know we've seen a few plays where defensive backs have gotten beaten. I think those things are going to happen, especially in this in this situation where quarterbacks can't be hit. Guys probably have to cover a little bit longer. But the encouraging thing for me is that with all of these young players, with all of these new pieces, I don't recall a whole lot of situations where there were what you would call real coverage breakdowns, where guys were kind of looking at each other like, you were supposed to be there and you weren't there. And and, and to me, that's a really encouraging, really positive sign for this group. Absolutely. And that, that was something I think I asked Antoine Bethay when he spoke to the, you know, when he took to the podium. That's something I've noticed going back to the spring. And a big reason for that is communication. Now, I'm trying to remember if it was Baker or Valentine. I'm trying to remember which young corner. I think it was Corey Valentine that said this. Basically, um, you know, he was asked, how are you, you know, how were you able to catch up? given that he missed the spring and, and, and the OTAs because, you know, of, of the unfortunate shooting. And he said, well, the veteran players have been kind of working with me to teach me plays. And that just shows you that these guys, they want to be better. They know that last year wasn't good enough. So the veterans and not just, you know, Janoris Jenkins, who also embraces that role as as a mentor, but, you know, the Antoine Bethes, the Jabril Peppers, you know, all those veterans – they're pitching in and they're all talking and communicating. And that's so important because the more you communicate, the more you talk, the better you're going to perform because there's there's not going to be a question of, okay, what was that guy thinking? Or I'm not sure what this guy's thinking, so I think I'm going to do this. And now that's where you have those breakdowns. And that's just really reassuring to me. It is, Patty. And while you were talking, I was thinking about Dave Gettleman 
and his effort over the last two off seasons to improve the culture of this team and the kind of players that he's brought into this locker room. And I think this is what he wanted. This is, you know, this is probably not a Super Bowl winning Giants team. We're hoping that it's a better one than a five and eleven team that the Giants had last year, and the and the three and thirteen team the year before that. We're hoping that it's a team that that takes strides in the right direction. But this is the reason why you look for quality people, why you look for veterans who can lead and veterans who understand what it takes because you're bringing in guys who are willing to help their teammates. Absolutely. And and that's a big thing. You know, there are some guys that, you know, some veterans that don't want to be bothered with rookies. You know, they, they're afraid that, you know, a rookie is going to take their job. Then there are other guys who are like, let me focus on my own game. I, I really don't have time to help. And then you get guys who are comfortable in their own skin to say, okay, you know what? If I help this guy do his job better, then maybe I'll do my job better. And that's what the Giants have in this locker room. And, and it's a very underrated point. It's an ex, you know, it, it's an important point, I think. And, uh, you know, hopefully we see the results on the field. Um, it's practice right now. So everything's kind of, I think scripted a little bit, but, um, I'm very much looking forward to seeing the first preseason game to see how it all comes together. And, and, and just, you know, that's going to be the real litmus test. I think. Patty, last thing, and you mentioned his name already, but I need to ask you, Corey Ballantyne came out to speak to media on Sunday about the, the shooting that, you know, that, uh, that left him wounded, that left his best friend dead and his progress and how he's handling all of that. And just were you as impressed by this young man as I was? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, Ed. I mean, look. I can't begin to imagine what might have gone through that young man's mind, not only just being the victim of a shooting that thankfully didn't, you know, claim his life, but to sit there or to stand there and and see his friend gunned down. I mean, that that's got to be tremendous trauma on on anybody. And to come back and to work, you know, to want to work through that, to want to, you know, carry on with life and, and dedicate your life to the memory of your friend because you know that's what he would have wanted for you and and to be able to you know he didn't go into detail but you know he, he did talk about it he did touch upon it he didn't you know skirt any really skirt any of the questions when the topic was brought up that is tremendous and the reason why is because when you play cornerback in the NFL you're going to have bad plays you're going to get burnt here and there it's going to happen to everybody and I'm not necessarily trying to to, to say that what Corey Ballantyne went through is like playing in the NFL because it's it, it's definitely not but the point I'm trying to make is is he can kind of overcome in baby steps or bigger steps or whatever the adversity that he faced on that night, that's a good sign for how he's going to overcome adversity when he's out there on the field. Because, you know, now he's got, I guess, a perspective, so to speak, you know, like, look, you know, I made a mistake. I can overcome this. And and just tremendous strength from this young man. I, I, I just, you know, I know this is going to sound unprofessional, but I just wanted to give the kid a hug and just say, good for you, Corey. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> and I don't even know the kid, you know? Oh, Mama Trina. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> can't help uh, myself. Sometimes. No, no, you can't, Patty. But hey, that's hey, okay. That's that's okay. Human, yes, we are. Human, yes, so. we are. So, Patty, with that said, I think uh, we'll call it a show. You know, thank you very, very much. You know, for spending some time with me. Uh, we will uh, we'll catch up with you on on Wednesday when uh, when the Giants get back to practice. So uh, we'll talk to you again in a couple of days. All right, sounds good. All right, bye bye, Giants fans, and thank you for uh, for listening.